What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you want to mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you want to jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. Yeah. Hello, Bengals fans. I am Matt Minnick, and this is Shock Talk. It is Steelers week. Once again, unfortunately, uh, you know, the, the Bengals are, are going into this week on the wrong end of things uh, with not really much positive going on ever since uh, the man Joe Burrow went, went down. But we, you know, we, we still got to talk about, we still got to get ready for this thing, Monday Night Football. And today's guest uh, going to tell us a little bit about what's been going on with the Steelers since the last time we saw them. Things haven't been going great for them as well over the past couple of weeks. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit and uh, a little bit of draft stuff as well because uh, he happens to be a, a draft expert also. So today's guest is Nick Faribault, who covers the Steelers, also covers Pitt for Pittsburgh Sports Now and is a draft analyst for Pro Football Network. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I mean, it's, it's great to always be on here. been on here a few times now. Always a great discussion, especially with the Bengals, you know. It's AFC North football. It's AFC North football. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, it's not easy to find Steelers fans that aren't aren't, uh, aren't dicks. So, you know, we appreciate you coming out here as well. Uh, <laughs> but uh, seriously, though, um, look, the Steelers started off 11-0. and uh, There were some that called them a fraud at the time. There were some that called them the worst – 11 and 0 team ever. Uh, I, you know, and I think that can be a bit of hyperbole. It can be a bit harsh, but I definitely, it was the first Steelers team ever to go 11 and 0. And I don't think anybody in the Steelers fan base could possibly look at this year's Steelers team and say, this is one of the best that, that we've ever had. Uh, or, I mean, I, I would imagine Steelers fans would, would look at this team and, and, you know, wouldn't consider it one of the, top handful of teams even this century uh, for the Steelers. So now that they have dropped two games in a row, uh, took themselves out of that number one seed. And look, was this, you know, was the win streak covering up some looming problems uh, that nobody wanted to talk about? Or have they just kind of hit a rough patch and they, and they need to bounce back from it? So it's both things. Um, the rough patch is because their defense is just so injured. I mean, they lose Bud Dupree, they lose Devin Bush, but Spillane's out now, who's Bush's backup. Vince Williams is on the COVID list. Uh, Terrell Edmonds is banged up now. Uh, Joe Hayden has a concussion. We'll see if he returns this week. Steven Nelson's been hurt. Mike Hilton's been hurt. I mean, they've been missing pretty much everybody other than Watt, Tewitt, and Hayward. Like, that's pretty much everyone. Um, and, and Minka has always been there too, but their defense, which is, you know, this elite unit 
is just super hurt. And, you know, they've actually stepped up really well in the past few weeks. They've had really good performances. They held the Bills to 19 points. Um, you'll see 26 on the box score. I don't really count the pick six by Ben, um, but the defense played extremely well uh, in that game uh, to hold a top 10 offense to only 19 points. That should have been a winning performance. Um, and they did well against the Washington football team, too. Um, but, you know, it, it's it. the offense has been showing cracks for as long back as the Tennessee game. Um, and you can kind of look at what Tennessee did. And the Steelers all year really haven't been able to push the football down the field. The difference was they were able to run the football. So it didn't really matter. They could run it. They could pass it. Uh, it, they could pass it. They, you, you know, they have this vaunted short passing game. This is kind of what they are known for. Big Ben gets the ball out in two seconds, and he's got the fastest release time in the NFL. It is something with Ben that he's trying to adapt to because the O line, first of all, I just don't think the O line is very good. Um, but also, second off, I just don't think he wants to get hit anymore. Um, he's older. He's a little bit nicked right now, and it's been covering up problems because teams know that they can't throw it deep, so they're just playing the short stuff. They're bringing an extra safety into a box, playing really single high, and there's like eight guys in every in on every run, regardless of schematics. Uh, and you know the motion stuff, the jet sweeps. People teams have figured that out. The Bengals actually figured that one out um, when they started bringing their corners or safety down. And then they brought another one on the opposite side. So they just loaded the box um, with the defensive backs pretty much to stop that running game. And then kind of the last thing was, oh, the Steelers have empty. And the Ravens started dropping defensive linemen just to take away like drags and short crossers and all that stuff. And now the Bills add another element. They're just playing press coverage and the Steelers receivers can't handle it. And then Ben is dealing with a knee injury, so he can't really step into his throws. So a lot of the throws that would be a laser are now like lollipops. So it's it's a huge conglomeration of issues. The receivers can't catch. The O-line can't block. The running backs are missing holes. The quarterback's hurt and not throwing especially well right now. And the offensive coordinator has no clue what he's doing at times. It's just been... It, it's. A rough patch, but it's also been building up just for so long. The Steelers' offense is a mess, to put it perfectly. <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned the offensive coordinator. Um, it, it's kind of interesting because last year, when Ben went down, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people would have given up on the season. And I think a lot of people, I, I don't know if it was this way in the Steelers fan base, but like there were definitely people that when they traded for Minka Fitzpatrick were like, like completely taken aback, thinking that they were gonna you know be bad that year and and take a their their future quarterback with that first round pick, but that really didn't seem to solidify that defense. I mean between you know Bush getting better uh, with reps as a as a rookie linebacker and and Minka being in there really seemed to solidify that group. But, I mean, I guess the way you talked about it, the injuries, I mean, that just shows you why it's hard to build on defense nowadays because you, you've got to have all the right pieces. You know, the Steelers had to have those guys to come together to really be able to get it done and, and to win some games defensively last year. You know, the, the Steelers actually would have been in the playoffs last year by uh, 
by the the new playoff format, they would have gotten the seventh seed if there was one. So kind of crazy to think about about that. But you know, while we mentioned that on, on the defense and how it can be a house of cards, uh, the Steelers were winning games with Mason Rudolph and, and Duck Hodges last year. Like to me, you look at you look at Randy Fitchner and like he did a really good job, in my opinion, of figuring out how to win uh, and and do something, you know, despite what they had uh, offensively. The Bengals are in kind of a similar situation with, with Luana Roma, and I, I've been fighting this fight for for a while. That there's a lot of Bengals fans out there that absolutely hate Luana Rumo and and he's probably the number three person that, you know, whose job is being called for in the fan base after Taylor uh, and the offensive line coach, Jim Turner, um, you know, excluding ownership. That's probably the number one, <laughs> but uh, uh, so, but, but to me, look, like the Bengals don't have a corner, a number two corner. Uh, you know, they're getting Darius Phillips back. He, to me, he's not really a number two corner. He shouldn't be a number two corner in the NFL. He, he's a good player, but he, he shouldn't be in that spot. And they haven't had a pass rush all year. Like, Carl Lawson can generate some pressure, uh, but that's it. And it's just not enough with, with one guy who, you know, can disappear at times um, and be accounted for because he, he's only one guy. So, to me, though, I've been really impressed by Luna Rumo. Just like his game plans have been really strong, and the way he he keeps them in games. Now, I don't think like like to me, I I think he's done a really good job with what he has. But that doesn't mean that he can be a great defensive coordinator when he has great players. Uh, it just means he's good at figuring stuff out. So I guess that my question to you would be that Randy Fishner. He seems to be good at figuring things out and, you know, adjusting uh, to not having a quarterback last year. Uh, now he's making some adjustments to having a limited quarterback. I mean, do you think he can be the guy to to get them where they want to be and to, you know, uh, put together a, a playoff run kind of offense? It's tough because um, here's the thing. Like, Feetner is a is the offense coordinator because he's Ben's friend, right? Like that's. Yeah, kinda... I, I butchered his name, but go on. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, like he's kind of. It's because Ben is really good friends with Randy, and uh, Randy. Now that doesn't mean Randy's just like this guy that doesn't do anything. He definitely calls a lot of plays. He's kind of Ben's right hand man, but Ben's also like co-offensive coordinator. Um, so it's pretty much Randy and Ben, and they're trying to figure out what to do. So this is. And then they brought in Matt Canada, um, and I've been talking about this. For the last day or so the Matt Canada stuff early in the year, the Steelers started off the season with five straight hundred rushing, like a hundred yard rushers. And it was Benny Snell, James Conner. And they were just running it down throats of teams. Frankly, they could not stop it. Um, the Jets' sweep motion was super, super good. They, they didn't know what to do with it. And then the Steelers, they just never built anything off it. It was just jet sweeps. Uh, and once they started working, they were just sending jet motion while not handing it off, and teams weren't biting on it. They never developed a passing game off the jet motion. Now they are. They're going back in, now that the empty set and the quick passing game has kind of been caught on. Against the Bills, they started to really put it in, and they're doing now those motions. They're putting in play action, and if you know the Steelers, they don't run play action. Um, they, they are starting a little bit of play action. They're starting... This motion, they're modernizing this offense to try and get 
what they're doing is they're trying to get the same 15, 20 plays that they really like to do in the short passing game. They're trying to get them out of different looks. So teams don't know what the heck's coming. Uh, and that's kind of been the problem with the Steelers. Teams know what's coming. They'll just jump on it. And the Steelers have been trying to meld that Canada offense with Ben's offense for pretty much the whole year. It hasn't worked, but they're really going in right now. They have eight days this week. I expect a lot more of that, that play action, the motion. Is Feetner the right guy? It, it, it's going to be remain to be seen. But he's made a few really weird personnel decisions. Uh, I mean, I think against Washington, uh, it was pretty evident. Uh, fourth and one, and then he throws a sluggo to Anthony McFarland out of all people. Um, it worked, but Ben didn't put it perfectly, and McFarland's not going to have the body control to make a spectacular catch. Um, you just don't throw it to your third-string running back on that play. Um, and some, some of it is just, it's questionable. He doesn't use Deontay Johnson right. Chase Claypool doesn't get used completely right. Juju Smith-Schuster's just been turned into a glorified running back. And it's it's a question of, can he adjust? Uh, we saw it last year. Now he's got to do it with Ben. With three weeks left to the playoffs, I, I don't know. We're, we're going to see. I, I, he's been the scorned man this year. People really want him fired. It's the last year of his contract. I, I don't know if Feetner's the guy, but if he can make the adjustments here, open up the middle of the field, which the Steelers just have not targeted this year at all. It's pretty much always a short pass or a bomb down the sideline. Um, but they're trying to open up that too, play action, trying to help with that. Um, if they can open that up, maybe. Um, but Feetner just doesn't use his personnel completely correct, and I do think that goes on Ben a little bit because it's what Ben likes. Um, and it's kind of, he's kind of trying to make Deontay Johnson, Antonio Brown, and that's really just not working out right now. That's all I'll say with Penn. Well, if they want to work the deep middle, probably not the best week to do it with Jesse Bates, the, uh, I would say hands down best player in the Bengals defense right now. So, <laughs> but, uh, but by all means, give that a shot. Cause you know, <laughs> the, the Bengals, Defense has been been hurting to to come up with some turnovers. Uh, the Steelers, however, like they've they've coughed up the ball. I mean, that's been a big factor the last couple of weeks in the in the losses. And uh, you know, there's been some some picks there, but there were also a couple of fumbles. Um, I mean, is it is it scheme? Is it is it discipline? Is it just bad luck? Guys coughing up the ball. I mean, the Bengals. Bengals fumbled three times. I don't know how much of the last week's game you watched, but three times to end the first three drives of that Cowboys game. And it ended up, it was like 17 points that the Cowboys scored off of that, um, which pretty tough to uh, for a Brandon Allen-led offense to, to overcome that type of deficit. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, what part did the turnovers, where are the turnovers coming from and what part did that play in the, uh, you know, the, the losses they've had over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so there's there's a few things for it. First off, the drop passes. Um, some are just tipping right into guys' hands. Uh, there's also tipped balls. Uh, ben has gotten a lot of balls tipped because teams just kind of know where it's going. And they just, the D-line, instead of rushing to collapse the pocket, just get their mitts up. And there goes the ball. Because you're getting the ball so fast. Yep, and yeah. there goes the ball, you know, right into the linebacker's hands or, or whatever. That's kind of what ended the Washington game. Um, Montez Sweat got a big... Made up and it went right to John Bostic, and that was that. Um, also, though, teams, you know, that, that, that's interesting because I don't, I'm trying to remember what the timing was, but I don't think the Bengals had Margus Hunt last time. 
I think I think they might have brought in Hunt afterwards, and and Hunt's kind of the man for getting his hands up in the air. He's and he's like he's he's a giant too, so that could be interesting. He's six eight, so <laughs> yeah, there were a few guys. I think last time I think Hubbard had a few against the Steelers last time. Uh, a few guys had a they, you guys had a few uh, bad balls last time, and that's kind of been something with Ben all year, really. Uh, he's he's just gotten balls batted. Um, there's also just the fact. The fumbles really aren't the problem. Um, Connor had one fumble, but Juju got it back on it. The bigger problem is more so uh, Ben and the scheme are just super predictable. Like the Teron Johnson pick six, they just knew bunch set out of hat look. It's going to be an out route to Juju, and he just straight up jumped it. And, I mean, it was just super predictable. So the predictability of the scheme is leading to batted balls. It's leading to picks and then the the last pick that Ben threw I mean it was just a horrible deep ball uh, he didn't put anything into his lower body and I, I they they're gonna try and throw deep um Randy Feetner says much that they're gonna work deep balls today in practice and they're gonna try and go deep and the issue is Ben doesn't I don't think Ben practiced today either which is kind of interesting to note so that those deep balls were for Mason Rudolph and Josh Dobbs and Duck Hodges um not Ben and Ben has a knee injury right now. And, and, like, why I bring this up is because Ben is – his arm isn't what it used to be, right? I mean, he, he doesn't have this cannon he used to have when he came to the league. It's not dead, though. His arm isn't shot. Like, he's not some Peyton Manning 2015. Like, he's not – he still has some juice in there, but he doesn't have the leg anymore. So he's not transferring power from his plant leg to his drive leg, and it's all arm right it's all arm, and sometimes it's just all wrist, and he's just not generating enough power. So when he throws it 40 yards down the field, naturally it's an underthrown balloon. And so that that also leads to a few picks or pass breakups or near picks. I don't know if I would throw a deep ball outside the numbers this week when Jesse Bates is there. That's all I'd say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I hear you. Uh, now, I mean, we talked about a little about, about the offensive line. Um, is that a personnel issue or, I mean, have they just not been able to, to overcome, uh, not having Mike Munchak in there anymore? Whew. Uh, some fans think it's Munchak. I don't think it is. I think it's age. I think a few of these guys are banged up. Like DeCastro has been I, hurt all year. I mean, I here, here, here's one thing I'll say for Munchak, like, uh, you know, uh, PJ uh, Finney was, getting in for the, the Steelers uh, with some injuries and playing well. Uh, he goes to the Seahawks. He's like their third center. He gets he gets traded to the Bengals because, honestly, I, I think he was a throw-in with the seventh-round pick because they, they you know, were probably going to cut him anyway. Um, and now we all know how bad the Bengals' offensive line has been, and he, I don't think he's been active once since the Bengals traded for him. He can't even, he can't even get on the field. And... Uh, it wasn't bad with Munchak. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if it's Munchak or, or whatever. I mean, Finney was here last year with Surratt. Um, he was pretty solid. Um, but I don't, I don't know if it's Munchak, but the, the, the guys are, are just playing bad. Everyone. Villanueva is, hasn't given up a sack, but he gets just obliterated on some levels. He can't run block for his life. I mean, he cannot run block. His pad level is... I don't know if I've he, seen it. He was a uh, triple option wide receiver, man. Run blocking is what they do. <laughs> I, I, I'm saying he's 6'8", though. I don't know if I've seen a NFL offensive tackle play with a higher pad level this season. 
Um, that's kind of the theme though along along this line. The the pad level is just a huge issue. Like they play in two points. This is I don't know if you noticed this. They play in two point stances. Like they're gonna pass block because they th- they throw it so much. So they're always in this mode that they're gonna pass block. And I wonder if that's kind of messing with their psyche almost. Like because mm-hmm. in a two point stance, they almost never put that hand in the dirt. So they're naturally high off the ball. It's kind of crazy. They they run block in a two point stance. Um, you know, Chuk's a core four. Uh, he's been a good pass protector. He's not really a great run blocker. He's never had that power in him. DeCastro just fell off a cliff. Like, honestly, no idea what happened to him. I think he's hurt, but he just fell off a cliff this year. Um, the two guys, uh, Filer's out now with a peck. Um, so the two guys that have kind of been the bright spots, Pouncey and Dotson. Um, Kevin Dotson came in against Buffalo, and all of a sudden – the Steelers are running the ball better. Here comes holes opening up in the middle of the field uh, because of these combo blocks that Pouncey and Dotson are doing. There were a lot more holes than we've had since Dotson left the lineup uh, because, you know, DeCastro and Father were returning. Dotson is a game changer. Now, we don't know if he's going to play because he's, he's also dealing with a shoulder injury, so it actually could be Hassanauer or Derwin Gray. We don't know. Um, but if Dotson's in there... The Steelers might be able to run the ball a little bit better. Um, the O-line is just, they just look old. They play with bad pad level. They don't really go in there and punch you in the mouth like they used to. Um, so that doesn't mean they're not physical. They want to be physical. They they really try to move guys. They just can't. Um, I know Booger McFarlane called him soft earlier. Um, I don't really agree with Booger that. Booger says a lot of things. But yeah, like, I don't call, <laughs> like, they're not soft. Like, I don't think any NFL O-lineman is soft. Especially a guy like David DeCastro. Like, that dude's not yeah. soft. Uh, but, like, you know, they, they're just, they just look old and tired, and they they just look like they're sunsetting. I don't know if some of them are, um, but they just don't look like what they used to. And, I mean, it's it's tough to fix an O-line when your whole O-line looks like that aside from your center and your left guard. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I, I have a theory about Booger. You know, like, I think they probably gave him a multi-year contract for the Monday Night Football thing. And, and when that clearly wasn't working, it's just like they have to give him so many hours on TV to make what they're paying him worth it. I, I, I feel like, doesn't it seem like he's on, like, everything now? I, I, yeah. Like, he's, he talks college football now, too. <laughs> like, he's everywhere, man. He's everywhere making comments, and you know <laughs> that, that he, he he called him soft. And I know a lot of Steelers fans were like, "Yeah, no, he's right. They are soft." And Pouncey kind of called him out on Instagram, and you know what? If if Booger McFarland's the guy that's needed to get this team to run block, who cares? I'll take. It. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you think that's a mentality thing? You know, with you mentioned that they are pass blocking a lot. You know, it's it, it's kind of. Ben's kind of playing flag football, essentially. You know, they're they're just getting the ball out and, and getting a lot of guys into the, into the route. Uh, really, the it's not the same Steelers you think of. 
you know, it's definitely not the Jerome Bettis Steelers going back that far. But, I mean, yeah, do, do, you, do you think it's a mentality thing that they're just not, like, because it's not being emphasized, run block, be physical, punish the opponent, you know, because they're they're more focused on the pass, you know, protection type of stuff that, that it's, it's impacting their, their mentality? I think it's definitely possible. Um, I'm, again, I tell you, they're in a two-point stance. They're in pass yeah. protecting, like, they're in the press protective stance, right? At the snap, you're not thinking exactly, oh, let me go maul this guy on a combo block, reach the linebacker when you're there. Um, it definitely does. I know I'm a former offensive lineman. Kind of that would mess with my psyche. Even earlier in the year when they were having that rushing success, you know, they were a really balanced team. They were putting their hand in the dirt. The two-point stance adjustment wasn't a thing anymore. It probably has affected them. They haven't really blocked at a high level in two months now at least Mm. um and and so when you kind of look at what they've done offensively uh especially as an o-line if you're throwing 50 times a game and you're and you're you know run blocking maybe 15 times a game it's gonna mess your mentality up uh and if you're especially if you have eight guys in the box you're like i can't even block these guys we only have six blockers why even try uh, so it, it's pretty much – the Steelers' run game is just dead because everything is coming together. Uh, it's the it's the O-line, it's the running backs, it's the schematics. They just don't know what to do. They're also not getting any help from them tight ends because Eric Ebron cannot block in line, and they insist on trying to make him be an in-line blocker. Yeah, you know, it, it's really frustrating because uh, you see some things about the Steelers and – it's like, like you, you see, you see how you could scheme and come up with some things to to take this away. You mentioned dropping off linemen, stuff in the box. Um, the Bengals defense actually played pretty well against them at the beginning of that first matchup. Um, they were put into some bad positions uh, with Eric uh, Alex Erickson. Uh, actually, he fumbled. I don't think he muffed the punt. Fumbled on a punt that you know gave the Steelers their first score and. I mean, there's some things that kind of kind of piled up against them there, but even that, that's a that's an example. I thought Lou Anarumo had a pretty good game plan in that game. The Bengals' offense couldn't do anything though, uh, and it was the same story with the with the Ravens. And in these last few weeks, it's 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 frustrating because as a Bengals fan, I was really looking forward to seeing Joe Burrow get another shot at the Ravens and the Steelers. Like just just hoping that that you know they could they could make it competitive and figure some things out offensively. Because uh, I think both of both of those defenses, uh, you know, did a number on on Burrow, uh, just from throwing a, a number of different looks at him. His receivers didn't help him out in the Steelers game either. There was a number of drops there, and man, would would have loved to have another shot just to see if they could do anything offensively. But uh, but we're gonna have to wait till next year. And uh, speaking of waiting till next year, we'll transition to talking a little bit about the draft. So we'll focus on on Pitt because. I mean, you write about Pitt. I know, I know you cover the draft, but you, you write specifically about Pitt. And, uh, they happen to have some some good linemen. You know, and the Bengals, they could use a, another receiver. Uh, they could, they might need a corner. You know, Trey Waynes is coming back. Uh, William Jackson's a contract situation. They might need a corner. But no, no matter what, they need O-line and they need pass rushers. And and Pitt's got some guys, you know, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll start with uh, you know, Patrick Jones. Seems to be the one that's getting the most attention on the edge. 
what uh, what can you tell us about Patrick Jones and you know what what type of pro do you think he'll be? Yeah, so this is a guy that's kind of got all the traits you want, right? Very, very explosive get off. Super, super flexible, so he can bend around the edge. You can put him at 4 3 uh, the end. You can put him at 3 4 outside linebacker, kind of whatever you're doing. So he's a scheme versatile guy. Um, he really runs a tight arc. He, when he has to rip and dip down that edge, he can run that tight arc to the quarterback. Uh, he's he's got a lot of really nice moves in his toolbox too. Like he doesn't just win because he's got that explosiveness. He can beat you running. It's not just a pure speed rusher. Uh, he can come inside. He has a pretty good club rip move. Uh, his swim move. He loves to use his swim move. Uh, it's really 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 savvy. Uh, he got a few sacks on that. You can watch him versus Christian Derisaw, um, top tackle prospect out of. Yeah. He did he did a number on Derisaw. Um, he was really solid in that game. Uh, took Jackson Carmen it gets Clemson to the to the woodshed kind of he roast every every challenge this year and played really well against all of the top tackles in the ACC that was really good to see from him uh, and you just kind of see him showcasing more power he doesn't really have an expansive bull rush but more a, a good long arm because he has pretty good length um, so it's more of a long arm thing he's got a really hot motor um, and then off the edge, he holds a strong edge. He's got, he's got more, he doesn't have a ton of sand in his pants. Like he's, he's not this dude that's going to be like 280 and then you could slide up and down the line. He's going to be an edge. So you're not going to slide him inside like three tech or whatever. Um, but he is a guy that can hold that, hold that edge. He's going to play his leverage really well. He's going to be able to have really good awareness and, and field vision and really stack and shed guys off that edge. So he's a really, really solid football player. Um, if you kind of want to show anywhere that he can really add to his repertoire, probably more so would be in the counters area, but a lot of guys coming out have to work on their counters. Um, sure. he, he, does, he does have a lot of moves. The, getting Just getting that pass rush plan a little bit more developed, getting, those hand usage, getting that hand usage a little bit more clean uh, is kind of for Jones, but man, Jones has a really high ceiling. Um, I don't know exactly where he's going to go yet, but I really like Patrick Jones. So, you know, another guy I know you like, uh, Rashad Weaver, he is a little bit bigger. Um, I mean, is he that type of guy that could be a bit of an ACDC and, and, and kick inside as well? So he's a polar opposite of Jones, right? Like, this is not a guy that's super explosive. Um, he, does have, he does have the length of Jones, but he's not even that flexible. He's kind of your power guy. I mean, I've... I, Talk to you about him off air, and I said this dude has kind of hammers for hands. He really provides a pop uh, to guys, especially their pads. No one could stop him this year. Uh, again, Weaver and Jones were just maddeningly consistent. I mean, they could not be stopped against Clemson. Miami couldn't stop him. Notre Dame couldn't stop him. That was a big one. He took Liam Eikenberg, and he he took him. I mean, he. There was one rep where he got under his pads and drove him five yards. Um, he is really powerful. I really, really like um, Weaver. He's just super savvy. He can beat you with a ton of moves. He has a club rip. He has a little spin move. He's a guy that can move up and down the line. I really think he can't um, because he he does have – I think he has some room to grow in his frame, maybe get up to 280, 285 if he needs to, and maybe play that five-tech – uh, if you really want him to, I don't know if he's going to play a three tech role. Um, I don't know if he can take on a combo block there, um, but he can definitely play the edge uh, and, and do it 
at a high level because he does have so much power. He has that length, um, and he has that savviness uh, overall. He's a very smart football player. You know, the, the main concern with him, some medical stuff. He did tear his ACL um, prior to last year. Um, and, and again, he just doesn't have this athletic specimen type deal that, that you would look at and you're like, yeah, that guy. Ooh, former four-star recruit, uh, like Jalen Phillips, for example, who is his number one recruit. That's not really Weaver. I think he was a two-star coming out. Um, and so was Jones, actually. They were both two-stars, and they turned into, well, this. Um, but he's a really solid football player. He's going to be a fundamentally solid guy that can be productive. And, you know, you can move him inside a little bit. I don't think he gives you that whole flexibility but he can bring it uh, and get you a lot of pass rush reps because he is a guy that can play three downs. I mean, Pat Narduzzi, you know, uh, it's a, it's a defensive coach, you know what I mean? And and so not surprised that he's finding some of these guys that are not, you know, not the highest recruits, uh, but who, who he and his staff can, can develop into really good uh, defensive players for them. Now, you mentioned that I, I find that really interesting about Weaver. Uh, I would like to see the Bengals get a guy who could be a four-three defensive end, but also be a, a, a three-four, you know, five technique. Uh, I mean, I think that's the guy that they're really missing. They don't have any guy like that. Um, you know, Lou Anarumo and. I wrote a press conference once where we referred to their three-four defense as three defensive tackle defense, and that's really what it is. You know, they don't have real ends in that situation. The ends are playing outside linebacker, so um, that would be that's a guy that I'd be I'd be really interested in the Bengals getting a guy like that. Um, now there was recently uh, some news with Geno Atkins going on IR. The news that came along with that is uh, that. It sounds like the the t- he and the team have agreed to to part ways after the season. Um, you know that's per source sort of thing. So we don't we, we don't have a name on it. It's not official. Uh, but you know a lot of times these things pan out. So big change for the Bengals. Obviously they they haven't had him this year. They haven't really had any kind of interior pass rush this year. Uh, Pitt's got a guy and and I. Couldn't even say Feetner's name right, so I'm probably going to butcher uh, Jalen Twyman. Did I get that right? That is correct. Yes. Oh, all right. So uh, Jalen Twyman, uh, you know, he's more of an interior guy, a little bit bigger than those other guys. Uh, like Gino, a little bit shorter, too. Uh, can get onto the pad level. Uh, where do you think uh, he projects as a pro? Ooh, three tech inside, uh, for sure. He's, he's a guy that... I wanted to see another year from him. I still think he's a little green, um, but he's definitely – he's got a few really good things in his arsenal, right? He's got pretty dynamic moves, so he's a pretty developed pass rusher in terms of his pass rush plan, his football IQ, and more importantly, his hand usage. So he's, he's got this pin-pull, he's got this push-pull um, kind of move. He really likes to use that and kind of swim over. Um, he, he uses that a lot. Uh, sometimes he'll have a club rip, uh, chop rip at times too, um, but he's more about that that swim move, uh, and he really uses it well. Um, and it's because he's pretty quick on the ball. I wouldn't call him explosive, but he's pretty laterally quick. He's laterally quick. Um, got a little tongue up, tied there. Um, so he is he's a really solid pass rusher, and he's got higher 
higher ceiling to reach. And that's because, well, you talked about the pad level. That's actually one of his main problems. He just pops right up, um, pops right up, and kind of loses the natural leverage that he would at 6'2", because he does play so high. Uh, so if he can fix that, I think Twyman has a very, very good ceiling, a very high ceiling. He's a guy that can really drive defensive backs with some power, at, uh, defensive backs, offensive linemen, man, um, with some <laughs> real power. Uh, he he's a guy that just has the has good athletic traits, and he's starting to really round out that technical arsenal of moves with his pastures playing as a run blocker. He's a guy that you can probably ask to two gap um, because he he definitely he just doesn't move. Uh, he can really move move up and down the line at times as well. He's got that flexibility. He's got that strength. He's a relentless worker. I mean, he just gets after it. His motor is hot, hot, hot. Um, I think he's a guy that would really fit nicely into that Bengals defense, especially when you talk to me kind of what they need. I think Twanin fits a bill. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a big hole for them. Uh, they'll have DJ Reader coming back. They should have Josh Tupo coming back uh, off the um, uh, opting out this year, hopefully. But, but yeah, I mean, Geno Atkins is some, some big shoes to fill. So, you know, they, they really need – Somebody that can generate some some inside pass pressure, even you know, just the other thing about Gino is it, it, people don't appreciate enough how he would just destroy blockers in the run game as well. Um, and there were times last year when the defense wasn't doing much, and he would absolutely destroy the uh, <laughs> the guy that was trying to block him and make it play in the backfield. And it's like you look at it and you're like, "Ooh, it's a good thing he did that because because <laughs> that play was there." Uh, now, now they've got a couple of guys over on offense as well, and you know maybe not quite as high level. Uh, and the Bengals are will definitely or definitely should be looking to prioritize adding uh, a guard and tackle. You would expect that to happen early uh, in the draft, uh, hopefully in free agency. But uh, you know the Pitt's got a couple of guys in the interior offensive line that that might be uh, you know might be some depth guys, some project guys a little bit later. Uh, what can you tell me about uh, Hargrove and Morrison? Yeah, Morrissey, um, former walk-on that turned himself into the captain of the offense. He's a very, very smart guy. Uh, recognizes stunts at an extremely high level. Um, he, he and Kenny Pickett kind of were, were super, super close, and, and he worked really well with that O-line. He was the commander of men on that O-line. Uh, so that's always a good thing. Um, he's very, very good in terms of f- kind of framing his blocks and getting his He's not a super powerful guy, so you're not going to watch his film and see this guy pancaking dudes into the ground. But he's good at – his grip strength is good enough, and he can drive guys to open up lanes. Uh, and that's kind of his calling card. He really positions himself well to open up lanes. And, and what he does really well is play with low pad level, with good hand placement, and he kind of has that grip strength. So he's a good – he's a good player. He's not, He's kind of – if you're just if you don't appreciate a line play, you're gonna find his play boring because even in pass pro, he's just really kind of technically sound. Where he kind of you know just he just passes off stunts. He might let up a little ground, but he anchors down really well, uh, and he doesn't and he just plays with really good technically sound football. He's got nice feet, smooth footwork, uh, so he can climb to the second level. He can mirror guys if they're trying to beat him. And he's which way he's just a really solid football player. Like he's not gonna he's not gonna wow you, but if you're a fan of O lineman, 
I think you'll like Jimmy Morrissey. He's a, he's a really technically sound football player. As for Hargrove, this dude can move, um, really move. He's, he's a pretty good athlete. He's another guy who didn't really have a ton of pedigree coming in, but the pit kind of developed him. Uh, he's a guy that does not lack power. Um, he can move dudes. Not that he's going to throw dudes like Makai Becton, but he can he can move you, uh, move you off your spot, and he doesn't do um, He Like Morrissey, he's really alert. Offensive lineman, great at picking up stunts and, and kind of recognizing that, uh, recognizing the most threatening guy. He's good with combo blocks. He and Morrissey were clearing lanes all year for the Panthers. Uh, they didn't have a great running game. It was Morrissey and Hargrove that they kind of leaned on outside of that as a puller. He's got the mobility to pull in space um, and get up to the second level. Uh, he doesn't have great length. Like, his length is really bad. Sometimes he overextends for it as a result. Plays a little high at times. Um, and, and that can really get him stunned and move back. Um, but he's, he's overall a pretty good player. And I think he's a guy that people are kind of going to sleep on. But I think he can make a roster and definitely push for push for some playing time in a depleted Bengals line room if that, depends, if that stays that way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they've got uh, they got a ton of guys in the interior offensive line right now, but they're <laughs> trying to figure out who's going to make it, who's going to stick around. So, um, yeah, they 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 definitely could afford to bring in some some more competition. And yeah, if you can get that guy as a undrafted free agent or a seventh round pick or something, you know, let him get in there and compete. Um, I would think that I mean, the Bengals should be a, a good situation to be able to bring in undrafted free agents uh, on the offensive line. Just, you know, I would think your agent would be like, that <laughs> they they need somebody. You got a shot, you know, uh, and and have guys sign in there just just for the opportunity to make that team. So, well, um, not the not the rematch that I was hoping for anyway. Uh, you know, I was really hoping to to give Burrow another shot at this thing. Um, I was really hoping to feel good about you know the idea of even playing a playing a spoiler, but. Even as optimistic as I am, it's it, it's tough to tough to see this one. So uh, I'm just I'm just hoping they can get out there and compete, and it doesn't look uh, look too ugly on on Monday Night Football, and we'll you know we'll see what those those guys can do. Uh, but yeah, the, the, this is uh, um gonna be gonna be interesting Monday night, and like like I said, hopefully uh, hopefully they can make it competitive. Uh, but you know, right now Brandon Allen hurt. <laughs> oh. Uh, you know, I, I, I attended the last game that Ryan Finley, uh, started for the Bengals and <laughs> that was against the Steelers at home. So, <laughs> uh, didn't, uh, it, it didn't go too well. Um, but that was, uh, that wasn't against Ben, so it didn't go that badly either, but we'll see. We'll see what, uh, what happens. Uh, so today my guest was, uh, Nick Faribault. Uh, Nick, where can people follow you and your work? Yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter, Farabaugh, F-B, F-A-R-A-B-A-U-G-H, F-B. Uh, on Twitter, to find any of my content. Steelers Draft, I post there. Um, find my stuff at Pittsburgh Source Now. That's where my Steelers stuff is, and then my draft stuff at Pro Football Network. A lot more on the draft side coming soon. Um, but the Steelers still rolling for now. Hopefully, we have an extended deep playoff run. I don't have to dump, uh, go too much into the draft until mid-February. Yeah, definitely give Nick a, a follow, and, and yeah, we'll have some some great draft content coming up. Um, Nick, one of maybe four or five Steelers fans uh, that I do not have blocked. 
uh, on on social media. I'm just kidding. I don't really block people, but uh, <laughs> uh, but but no, seriously. Uh, you know, he he's a guy you can follow, and he's it, it's uh, uh, it's not going to be obnoxious uh, if that's the way to put it. So I'm sorry I'm ripping on your fan base so much, but they're they're, <laughs> they're not they're not watching this any they're not listening to this anyway. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, Nick, appreciate uh, appreciate you joining us today. Like I said, definitely give Nick a follow. Some great uh, great draft content coming up. Uh, we got a Monday night game coming up here as well, so make sure you're sticking with us and following the live pregame show, uh, which will get going uh, right about 7 o'clock. We'll probably get it started right, maybe a little bit after 7 o'clock on Monday night. Uh, it'll be much more appropriate for me to be sitting back drinking Narragansett like I always do on the show and uh, with it being a night game. So, uh, so that'll be good. So uh, make sure you join us for that. And we'll uh, get you ready for that game with all the info you need. Myself, Anthony Casenza, John Sheeran, probably have a special guest as well. We'll, we'll, we'll see what we can work out. So uh, we, will, uh, we will see you then. Uh, make sure you're checking out all the other great content on Cincy Jungle. Who day? Yeah, we coming forward with sours. Yeah, we coming forward with sours. You hear the crowd, we coming forward with sours. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.